Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Glam Reaper podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Muldowney, aka the Glam Reaper. On today's episode, I am met with the beautiful Amber, um, who's also known as the mortician in the kitchen. And we talk some deep and some heavy things. Um, we definitely discuss mental health. We touch on topics like suicide. Um, and so if any of those are going to affect you, maybe just um, listen to or watch this episode with caution. Um, but it's, it's a good episode um, and we do talk about food as well. So let's get into it. chit-chatting online which you know uh, uh my parents generation don't really understand a whole lot of social media and sort of they're like ah stop telling everybody all your details and all putting it out there and um, but you and i would never know each other without social media let's be honest we do have a couple yeah, of mutual yeah. friends in, in common which does happen in this space um but why don't you um tell everybody who you are and how you came to be mortician in the kitchen which i'm obsessed with that seems like a fair question. Um, so like 10 years ago-ish, I don't know, we were talking earlier about how time has no meaning and I always get caught up because I'm like, I don't know how long it's been. Um, yeah, I'm a f- licensed funeral director. I went to mortuary school. Um, I, I think the easiest explanation is that like I've worked in food service forever and like since I was like 15 or 16 and I think that uh, I was attracted to the funeral world for the same reason that I stayed in hospitality so long is that I am very hospitality driven and I like making people feel good and comfortable when they're uh, not feeling good. And I think that we forget how important food is because, uh, how do I say I stop myself a lot. I'm always like, how do I say, uh, you know, when people are like hangry is a very real thing and they come in and uh, sure yeah. people know to avoid you, you like plague. Jen's don't throw peanuts yeah. at her, give her a muffin or something. Yeah. I, I packed up some stuff for my boss yesterday and I put um, pretzels in the bag and I was like, so there are some stickers to hand out and there's also a snack. Um, like I'm very food motivated. When I was little and I came home from school, my parents would be like, how was school today? And I'd be like, well, you had a snack. So, um, so this is why when I'm like, well, it's hard to say how I got started because I think... I am uh, food motivated and have been since an early age. Um, But yeah, I I just sort of like working in funeral services, I I really realized how important food was. It it sort of was this thing where, where every single funeral people would, you know, they get up and they talk about the decedent and they would always bring up food, whether or not it was a favorite restaurant that they went to, a favorite drink that they shared, a favorite meal that the decedent prepared. It was just this fluidity that I began to notice is that no matter who the person was, no matter what their religion was, no matter what their age was, food was always a connecting piece. And it, it was weird because it was sort of just like a aha moment. And I, I didn't know what to do with it for a really long time. It was like, it's taken me almost four or five years to really even figure out what I'm trying to say, you know? And it's you, it's like, you know, like I'm, I'm just drained because it's like, I, I feel it. It's this thing where I'm like, I know I'm onto something, but I, it's like, but what, 
what is it? Is it that I am, is it that I want to ultimately always say we have more in common than we, we have differences, you know, we, we all, we all die, first of all, but we all eat, um, you know, and, and maybe, maybe people don't get to fall in love. Maybe you, I hope everybody does. Maybe you don't get to have a pet. Maybe you don't get to travel, but every day, every human has to get up and eat to sustain themselves. Um, so it just became this thing that I sort of like went down this rabbit hole. And it was like, the more that I scratched at the surface, the more I would, would find. And I, I've just sort of gotten to a point where I've like thought of a name for myself. I'm like, ah, I am a culinary, culinary grief yeah. educator. Yeah. Yes. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's every time people are like, what do you do? I'm like, I don't know. That's, that's a fair okay. question. I mean, I think as a society, <laughs> listen, I love to read self-help books and, you know, business books and anything that's going to kind of help me in business and in life. And I feel like sometimes in society, there's a lot of pressure to sort of, oh, have your purpose and have your why and have all of this sort of figured out, especially, I mean, I turned 40 last year and, you know, I'm still single. And, uh, you know, as, as I always joke, my my brother has ticked every box. He's got the dog, the, you know, the, the two kids, the house, you know, he's the wife, everything, do, 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 do. whereas I yeah. just went, I'm off to New York. Bye. <laughs> and away I went. Yeah. But like, I don't think what I think is amazing about um, our generations now and the ones coming after us is there is more of that freedom and that acceptance of sort of, listen, we all don't have it figured out. Our parents don't even have it figured out. I mean, we're all really, adulting is hard and anybody who says it isn't is a liar. I'm sorry. Because it, it is, it's just, it's sickness, it's death, it's life, it's love and loss, it's everything. And it's hard sometimes. It's really, really hard. Um, and I think, you know, we just need to take less pressure off ourselves and stuff. And I did a whole TEDx talk on judgment, but like taking that judgment off of, okay, you're mortician in the kitchen, you're Amber. I mean, who cares if you haven't got it figured out? I mean, I personally, like when I found yeah. you and, and it, again, it just goes to show social media when I was during COVID, um, I was stuck in a pretty much windowless basement. Um, and what I do in the funeral space is very people orientated. It's not sort of things virtual and, you know, I don't deal with the bodies. And so I didn't have a whole lot of work. I helped where I could and I did what I could and I did do a lot of virtual services. But my, my job is very much about food and drink and bringing people together and the celebrant part of it. And so I found myself twiddling my thumbs a lot and actually how the podcast got started. But like that reading all my different self-help books it tells you like what do you love doing in life and how can you make that work and exactly like you I went hmm well I love food <laughs> food I love okay food. what next I really like the funeral space hmm could I do funeral food like and I literally and I think that's actually how I came across you I went down this rabbit hole of googling you know, and I came across funeral potatoes, which apparently is an Irish thing, but I feel like it's an American Irish thing. I've never heard of it in my life. I think you did a recipe on it. Did you? Yeah. The yes, Mormon funeral potatoes. It. Yeah. So I've never mm -hmm. heard of that back home. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. we, we're we um, big into, and actually somebody sent me um, I think on TikTok, which I'll send to you of a com Irish comedian talking about uh, Irish food, Irish funerals and food. <laughs> it's very funny. And we always had sandwiches sandwiches were just what we did like and there'd always be one woman in the kitchen just yeah divvying out sandwiches 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 
but it was always yeah, yeah. around revolved around food and drink and so whether that's where it came from but so I think what you have is brilliant and look you know whether you have it all figured out or it's still a work in progress you know I think it, it doesn't matter here nor there I think it's brilliant what you do and like the recipes I mean I love watching all your recipes and and I know it's so good and people yeah. don't realize as well behind the camera the work it takes to do it like I think made me laugh where you said um I think you made it kind of a, you know, how you tried to record and you failed to record the whole thing you know you tried to record the whole process and failed to record yeah. and I'm like that happens sometimes you do your best thing and you're like god damn it I yeah. never pressed record yeah I did that with my bagels I was so mad I like had all this cool stuff and I was like wow people are going to be super into this and then I went to look at it and I <laughs> yeah. was like Oh man. Yeah, I think, you know, listen, we have to stop being so hard on ourselves and you know, it's it's not easy. But what I love about what you do and for your Instagram account, and to be honest, I don't know, are you on many others, but Instagram is kind of where I'm at. But you bring your you bring grief into it. Like so you're you're showing these recipes, but you bring grief into it. What I love, Amber, is you bring a realness and a rawness. Like you talk about mental health and I was only just talking mm -hmm. on a podcast recently um, with another female about this and how, and I joked with it at a service this morning with funeral directors that, you know, when people say, how do you do what you do? And I'm like, well, I drink. <laughs> now I joke, when I say that, but I, I yeah. kind of joke. Um, you know, that is something I do to release, but like baking, cooking, that mm -hmm. is also something I do to release. Eating, also something I do to release. What I love is that yeah. you don't shy away from peeling back that layer for everyone to see. Like, tell me more about that. I mean, that's, that's yeah. scary to me. I'm like, <laughs> good for you. Whew. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think ultimately the food did become, um, I call it my, my newfound word is I call it like the anxious hands. Um, and I, I found that with, dressing bodies too. And I swear this will, will all fit together. It's kind of what you were saying is um, these are all releases and it's really important to me to um, try to provide ways for people to find a release. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I, you said something earlier about like, oh, your parents being like, you don't have to share everything with everybody. And, uh, and I've also been told that. And um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't really care. I've, I've, um, I mean, I, ca I care. I, uh, I have been sad my entire life. <laughs> I have been, I remember being really depressed as a child and I remember having people sort of wield my mental illness against me. And I, I don't know, I think I've just lived with it for so long. And at some point I, I just stopped caring. I, I think, um, I think for me, social media is this really, really wonderful place for me to um, to forget that there are other people and I give myself the freedom to just be me. And, I, um, and it, I, I've had so many people just, I've had so much positive feedback um, from people. And I really do believe that, you know, if they're like, a thousand people online that are like, it's really inappropriate that you talk about your mental health and it makes me uncomfortable. But there are 10 people that are like, thank you so much. Like I care so much about those 10 people. Like if there are other people that don't have to 
suffer or feel bad if like whatever it is about my like totally bananas inability to censor myself like I think that maybe this is a gift um that life or my brain gave me and if I can help other people feel better or if I can make life easier for them then then like that that makes all of my suffering feel okay. And I think that everything for me is about like, well, this is it and there's nothing I can do. And um, I take Zoloft now. I'll put that out there. I'm on antidepressants and I love it. It's the best decision I ever made. So on this topic, if there are people that are thinking about taking antidepressants and you think that it will numb you or make you less of yourself, um, it's only made me a better version of me. I, uh, <laughs> I joke around that I'm like, man, I have like a total... <laughs> I don't know if this is too dark of a joke, but I'll say I'm like, I have like a serial killer pulse now. Like I can just like, I, I don't physically react to things anymore in the way that I used to. Like if someone online was like, you suck and I hate your content. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, 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 oh my gosh. Um, well, why? And now I'm just like, oh, all right. Sorry. Amazing. You know, like if other people, Yeah. Um, because there is so, like there are people anyways, out I, there suffering and so and I do you know you and the modern mortician and you know there's a few of you guys who are sort of quote unquote death influencers which I do love that's a term <laughs> but, nice, um yeah. but it is important I think as well for you guys and she addresses it too you know Melissa um I think it's super important because you guys have so many followers and for whatever reason they're following you. Maybe it's the cooking, maybe it's the funeral aspect, maybe they friends with you, maybe, you know, as we all know, funeral and death, it does attract gothics, you know, people or attract then people mm. dark with dark thoughts. It, it attracts a lot of sort of the darker element and whether that's in a good or a bad way and whatever is your, as I say, whatever's your business is your business. I, you know, whatever you like to do and your, whatever you want to do. But I think it's really important. You know, you guys have this platform and all these people following you. And as you said, if you can reach 10 people in the 10,000 that follow or whatever it is, that's huge. I mean, even in my services, like I said it today, you know, some gentleman got up and he sort of said, you know, I didn't speak to the deceased in sort of 15 years. And, and when I got up after, I said, it doesn't matter whether you spoke 15 years ago, 15 minutes before he died or 50 years ago. What matters is that you made an impact, he made an impact on your life and you made an impact on his and for the positive, you know, and, and that's why they were there. Like every single one of us makes an impact. Like my, you know, the, the, the mailman that I might take my mail from the person I just walk past on the street everyone has an image of us in our brain you know and so whether you impact for good or bad and sometimes when I'm hungry usually um I'll be snarky with somebody I might be like oh for god's sake can you hurry up with my starbucks or whatever it might be and I walk away and I'm like didn't need to be snarky Jen you didn't need to be snarky because now that person might have been having a bad day and then they're like oh that snarky bitch um whatever it might be so listen we're not all going to go around with roses and and peonies and it's all daisies and great but I think it's my point is my very roundabout point is I think it's really important that you are so up open and honest and while my parents you know bless them try to keep me from mouthing off too much like mm -hmm. you I just I don't really I don't have anything to hide I don't I am who I am I don't lie honesty and transparency are what I believe and we all struggle and mm -hmm. you know 
sometimes life is shit. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. Whatever yeah. you see on Instagram, whatever you see online, that person has shitty times in their life. It doesn't matter who the freaking hell they are. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, I believe that the transparency and the honesty, it, it's, it is a much needed sort of medicine for people. I, I, I think, and, and maybe you see this too. I, it's, um, again, I'm like, how do I say, uh, it's, it's like you see a condensed form of it when you work in death, you, you work with death so much that, um, you know how people are probably feeling, but this is their first death. So for them, it's very confusing. So it's sort of like being a psychologist, right? You're, you're talking to someone and they're trying to explore all of these feelings, but, but you know, because you're like, ah, yeah, like you're sort of checking off all these boxes of what this, this feeling is. And this is, this is what it is. And so you're sort of in this position of not like power, but like, um, cause not like an, an oppressive power, but uh, you have the ability to give people permission to feel, um, you know, because they're really confused. They're like, like uh, one of the first things that I say to people when someone dies, when they've experienced the death um, is I'll say, if you are feeling angry right now, if you're feeling relief, if you are glad that they are gone, that's okay. Like I just go, sh- I go straight for like all those negative emotions. Cause I know, I know you're feeling it. I, it's like, I, I there's yeah. a nine out of 10 chance that you're probably feeling it. Cause like a lot, I mean, like, look, there's obviously unexpected deaths, but I, you know, God willing, most of us are supposed to say, God willing, we just <laughs> suffer in our bed for months before we die. Um, <laughs> that's not how I want to go. But like my grandpa had, um, I have a lisp, so I can't oh. say Alzheimer's. My husband makes fun of me. Also, the old timers disease. Um, and when he died, it was kind of relief because he was just trapped in his body. He was staring at the ceiling, couldn't eat, couldn't drink. A nurse was just putting a sponge on his tongue. And to be able to tell people who are feeling like so much emotion, if you're able to just go, hey, if you feel really angry or if you feel happy right now that he's gone, it's okay. And there, that that release of that tension that we hold inside of us, I, I believe that that goes into uh, how we are in everyday life when we are a little brisk with the Starbucks person or when we choose to not let someone in traffic, you know, when we're feeling road rage, like all of that is connected. Like everything, the way that I see the world is just everything is like this. Like there's nothing. That's yeah, completely. I, I mean, I could not agree with you more. It's to be honest, it's sort of how. I almost came about what I started to do 15 years ago in in Ireland, which was, you know, it doesn't have to be in a church. Like I might've been raised Catholic, but that doesn't define who I am from start to finish. Like, yeah. Do I want some Catholic prayers at my funeral? Yeah. But I want my funeral to be in like a cool venue with great music and great food. Um, you know, I want it to be something I would want to have, have gone to. Um, And I find with a lot of my families, it's not having it in a funeral chapel and not having it in church grants them without even saying a word, grants them permission to grieve whatever way that suits them. So whether it's screaming, crying, laughing, joking, you know, making inappropriate thing, joke things. Um, I've seen it all. And I just think it's so important because we're all completely individual and like exactly what you said about so many people especially when we come to 
parents and when they've gone have gone to a, a certain age and cancer riddled or whatever it might be it's a it is a relief and it's again it kind of comes down to just stop stop judging each other and stop judging yourself just because you feel relief because mom is gone doesn't mean you don't miss her in the exact same strength you can miss somebody and hate them you can love somebody with every fiber of your being and still hate them like leaving you if if that's and and that often happens with suicide as well it's like you hate them for having left you and just completely sell you think it's selfish and you go down that road and but you love them with every fiber of your being it's we're complex human beings it's yeah yeah and people always want to um place things into binary oppositions you know they're like well i'm either sad or I'm happy or I'm angry or I'm in love. And, um, and it's like, no, it is complex. My, uh, my cousin, uh, died by suicide when I think he was 17 and I was about 15. And, and I, I like want to write about it at some point. I I'm, and it's not that it's hard to write. I I don't, it's like, I always have so much stuff that I want to sit and write about. And I sort of just let whatever I feel like writing about that day take over. But I, when I close my eyes, I can remember my aunts, you know, just going, it was so selfish. It was so selfish of him to leave. It was so selfish of him to do that. And I remember thinking like, well, if he was sad, then why did we want to keep him? You know, why, why should he have to stay if he doesn't want to be here? If we're all going to die. And, but then I, I, it is, I think about him all the time, you know, at Hanukkah, I was talking to my, to my aunt and we were talking about Jimmy and, and every single day you just wonder like, who would he be today? Like if he had been on the right meds, would he still be here? Which, you know, again, when we were talking earlier about like, why do I just talk about what I talk about with very little disregard sometimes? I, I think that it's, it's like, well, my, my cousin died by suicide when I was 15 and I, we were very close when we were kids and he was a little weird and I'm a little weird and um yeah aren't we yeah aren't we all um and what if someone had just said like what if someone had just said like it's totally fine if you feel the way you feel like it's okay like oh do you feel sad do you want to like sometimes like I'll be talking to people I'll be like you ever you ever in your car and you just want to like let go of the steering wheel and people be like no and I'm like <laughs> just- oh okay <laughs> And I'm like, I know they're lying. I know you do. Hey, man, if you do, it's totally yeah. fine. Um, but I, what if just like, what if finding that middle ground like saves somebody's yeah. life? Like, what if somebody is, you know, you you just feel so sad and alone. You're like, well, nobody else feels this way. And it's like, no, like I, I do. Like I feel this way. And if that keeps them here, um, anyways, no, it's, it's are very true. And it's it's very hard for us as a community as well to try and reach people or to you know because sometimes I think we do take the onus on ourselves that we have to kind of fix the situation and we and it's it's physically impossible for us to do it we can do what we can I mean I'm just as you were speaking there I was remembering to um a service I was doing of a young man and he left behind a young daughter um and she did not want to come into the service and I was celebrant for the service and I was in the room and her mom popped her into the room with me and she wanted to talk to her friends. She did not want to come into the service. And I said, look, 
you know, and, and again, you kind of have to weigh up the, am I overstepping or what's right or wrong or whatever. Um, but I just turned around to her and I said, listen, this is absolutely fucking shite what's happened to you. And she just looked at me it's like an adult cursing. And I said, it is. I said, I'm really, this is just shit. I didn't even say I'm really sad or I'm really sorry because I hate that I'm sorry for your loss personally. Yeah. And I yeah. just said, look talk to your friend do whatever you need to do in this moment I said if you want me to record the service so you can at least listen to it at a later date or if you want the words we say because you don't want to be in the room I said it, whatever if you want any part of this I'm happy to help but I said you have to do you have to look after yourself your mom I know she wants the best for you whatever and that was it like I didn't kind of not you know I'm not a counselor I'm not a therapist I'm not gonna sometimes like these kids yeah. they they do they just they need mom to kind of stop being mom for a hot second and be devastated that her lover is gone or whatever it is and you know not everybody wants to like everyone assume everyone back home in Ireland if there's a funeral I have to go back home to like a family funeral everyone assumes I want to go in and see the dead body because of what I do and I'm like no I don't want to see anybody I don't because for me it's like I want to remember them laughing and that's my choice so back back it up there Auntie Karen you know um exactly as you said like finding that middle ground and just letting people make their own choices and their own decisions if direct cremation with no service nothing whatsoever is what they want to have you know then that's what they want to have i mean you think a funeral service or a memorial or some sort of something is cathartic i do but it's not my business to tell you what to do you know um and I just think the sooner we all start minding our businesses and letting other people, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. I always say, um, or uh, you shouldn't, you yeah. shouldn't should people, you know, there's no, you should not, shouldn't all over people. Don't, no shoulds. Yeah. You don't have to say, well, you should yeah. have this funeral. You should see the body. It's like, you should just do whatever you want yeah, to do. You could do that. Fine. You could do all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So now you yeah, work yeah. in a funeral home. I did. I so I actually make here now. Uh, yes, which plays into earlier when we were talking about like, oh, if there's something that you can't say or don't want to say or we need to like not talk about, it's a uh, part of the reason that I'm like I can say whatever I want. Um, is because I chose not to go back into the funeral service for sort of that specific reason is I can do a lot more good now um, because like on topics of my mental health, I worked for right. Forest Lawn and I had, uh, so I uh, had disordered eating, which probably is also why I'm so super obsessed with food now because um, I've struggled for a really long time with my relationship with food. Um, and I had that used against me when I worked there, it became this thing where I was like, uh, like I had this mental illness and I was a bad person because I had admitted that to having a prior eating disorder, by the way, uh, like, wasn't even like, yeah, I have an eating disorder right now and I'm suffering. It was like, it was one of those like mean girl moments. Like, have you seen mean girls? You know, and they're like, yes. Okay. So it's like, all the girls are in front of the mirror and they're like, oh, my pores are so big. And they're like, my nose. And then they're like, my armpits. And so these girls were like saying all these things. And I was like, uh-oh, I think I'm supposed to bond with these women. And I was like, oh, well, well I don't know. I used to have like an eating disorder. Oh. Um, and then that became a thing where it turned into me being um, 
like a body shamer. Like all of a sudden it was like, Amber's a really bad person and she thinks that we're all like gross and she doesn't like us and she thinks she's better than us. And so like, I, again, probably like, why am I so free? Like, why do I feel so free? Cause it's, it's almost like, I'm just like, I'm going to own this. Like I'm going to own whatever it is about myself. Like I'm in charge of my narrative and I'm certainly not going to let anybody do this to anybody else ever again, because it was like those girls, you know, I, I hesitate to say everything happens for a reason. Cause I am very happy with my life now, but I went to school to be an embalmer and I lasted four months at Forest Lawn because I ended up coming in every single day throwing up um, because the girls were like super mean to me and they stopped taking their lunch with me and like isolated me and uh, and I, now I'm not an embalmer anymore. And um, if you work at Forest Lawn, you definitely can't be on podcasts and talk about this stuff. I would be in so much trouble for saying anything like, I mean, yeah. So um, and then I ran Undertaking yeah. L.A., um, which, yeah, which was a, I don't know if you know about that. Uh, no, no, I don't I expect don't, people to I like just know, know I know of Caitlin um, and I don't know a whole lot about yeah. her. I did read one of her books, I think. Um, and it's funny because her name in Ireland, we just say Caitlin Doherty, but she's it's something Doe. I don't know. Yeah, Doty. Yeah, Doty. 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 Um, that's madness. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I saw the photo yeah. on Instagram. The, yeah, so I did that for oh, well, five, four or five years. Um, and that's when I really got to help people, you know, dress the dead and wash the dead. And, um, I got to have all of those really intimate moments with people that I wanted. Um, and then after that ended, I just, I certainly couldn't go to a corporate home after having the freedom to not have anyone breathing down my neck about how much time I was spending yes. with the family. Um, and then COVID happened. So that was like COVID basically happened right after that. I ended. Just, um, for a reason? And or? then um, she so wanted to sell the bit because Caitlin basically wasn't like her books were doing so well. She just right. basically was never there. Like she started the funeral home thinking that she would be able to be there. And then her books took off and she was just like on right. the tour constantly. I was about to say, still um, doing that. I, did, and so I, I didn't even know. I don't know. No, I don't think she is. I know she just moved to the East coast. Um, but yeah, so she sold it, sold the funeral home and I didn't have any ownership in it. And then um, we just sort of like parted ways and we're sort of thinking about like what I wanted to do from there. Um, and yeah, I just, uh, I, COVID changed so much for me. Like for everybody when they're like COVID was like the worst year for them, COVID yeah. was like the best year of my life. It was because I didn't have a job and I was on unemployment because of the way that things worked out. So I got to cook all the time. Like I immediately made the best use of it. I was like, okay, this is temporary. I don't know how long this is going to go on for, but I do believe that things will get better. And I'm going to either be really happy that I spent all of this time reading and researching and just pushing through, or I'm going to be really bummed that I squandered this year. So I woke up every single day and I cooked and I read books and I just like, I downloaded information like I was in the well, matrix. That's um, kind of similar. And I made the most yeah. of it. I was like, well. Yeah. I, I used it. I was like, this is, I have to think of this as a gift. Like it was like, I was like, hold on, I'm experienced with this kind of depression. Yeah. Like it will get better. Um, yeah. And then I, after that, I was like, okay, like, well, 
life is opening back up. What do I want to do? And my partner and I talked a lot about it and he didn't want me to be around people uh, <laughs> because of COVID. Um, Cause I live in LA and COVID yeah. was just rampant here. Um, so I always wanted to learn how to make beer and it made sense because it, it coincides with cooking. Uh, I feel like I'm a, a master of, of yeast now and I love baking and cooking and, uh, and it's really helped so much with my baking. Um, and I also like to drink. So that was a real twofer there. <laughs> um, and I think I posted about this before, but in Ireland, the bartenders, uh, like, um, like I, and maybe you can solidify the actual history, but I read it in like the Irish times that like bars used to kind of become funeral homes because mm -hmm. during the famine, there were too many bodies and yep. who can keep things cold? Yep bars so bodies started going into the bars and I was like you know I I felt it I felt that there was this real because like I'm very Irish I mean I'm very American but my DNA says 98% Irish just <laughs> county court yeah so I kind of feel like I was just destined to be a bartender funeral director beer maker well, dead body. let me schlepper. tell you um, a little bit of history or an uh, something to do with me so how I knew I was destined when I looked back at my turn into the funeral space um, and I was a wedding planner but two friends of mine passed away like that was the that was the actual pivotal, mo pivotal moment mm -hmm. but when I looked back at my sort of childhood and history when I was 15 years of age I worked in a bar called the morgue and the reason why it was called <sighs> the morgue is because it was a bar in quite a busy small little town I wouldn't even call it a town but basically people would guy mostly men would come in get absolutely rat arse drunk go out and there was a railroad just in front they'd fall on the tracks get run over and so they'd drag the body back in and stick oh. it in the, in the cooler and so that was the history I was told um and so yeah you were not wrong and typically it, you know I don't think it I don't know of one that exists still to this day but yeah they'd be the postman they'd like be the mail and um, they'd be the funeral home and they'd be a bar yeah yeah That's yeah 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 <laughs> i funeral directors really have that history of being they were just regular people i mean here in the u.s they were they were like the carpenters um maybe they they were uh um how do you say i was gonna say hearse but like um E yeah. emergency like drive emts like so that car like the old like the old school car was like a double it was like maybe we take you to the hospital maybe we take you to the morgue if we're a little shady we're gonna take you to the morgue and take those body parts out you know like um but yeah like a lot of like funeral directing really is a second career it's not and i i kind of in the way that i think that death belongs to everybody really do like to press upon that that it's like well we're all yeah. funeral directors. We all have something that contributes to it. Um, and, you know, it's it sort of coincides yeah. with other things. And that's a good way to make sure that, you know, you're not completely reliant on um, people dying to make yes. all of your money. Well, that's, so that's for that's sure. Now, tell us this um, as we wrap up. What is the future for, like, Amber? Like, what's is there anything in the pipeline? Are you working with any companies? Or have you got any fingers in any pies that you want to tell yeah. us about? <laughs> Yeah, so I um I'm working on I'm I'm writing now. I've always wanted to write, so I started a little baby magazine called Better Funeral Homes and Memorial Gardens, uh, which is a play on Better Homes and Gardens. Um, and it's basically now I'm just writing all of my material and putting it into 
um, little issues because it makes everything that I talk about makes more sense when it's in context. So like the first issue that I released is called, um, it's like, let's play dough. And it's about um, grief and art therapy and how we give Play-Doh to little kids because, um, again, working with the anxious hands, working with your hands and creating things allows you to process your grief. And so how do we apply that to cooking? And so I give you three or four recipes. It's like challah, bagels, donuts, um, and talking about the applications of Play-Doh therapy with actual dough. And, um, and then I'm working on a Golden Girls episode because I'm just sort of obsessed with the Golden Girls. And that has some fun recipes from the Golden Girls, but then it talks about mm-hmm. aging in place. So it's like eight tips for how to age in place, um, aging in grief. So each issue is basically like the very first question is like, how does food and grief fit together? Each issue is sort of um, builds on like, here are the recipes, here's the application. And then I try to make yeah. it fun and entertaining so that it's not just oh, very like cool. I love to sign up to your newsletter. That's the first time. Oh my gosh. How yeah. did I miss it? Um, okay. We will yeah, um, yeah. We'll get you to give us the link if you haven't already. Um, and we'll put it in the podcast and in the YouTube so that people can sign up because I'm certainly going to sign up straight after. I love food and I work in the funeral space. So it's like a perfect magazine for me. <laughs> It's great. I actually feel really excited about it. I got a really great program that makes like really gorgeous looking magazines. I have like right next to me is my copy of Bon Appetit and Veg News. I obsessively read magazines. I love it. uh, Well, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you, Amber. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, We did hit on some, you know, topics there that um, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to. So if they want to reach out, um, they can reach out to us and we will add all your links down below as well. And so that they can reach out to you directly as well if they want to. Thank you. So that was another episode of the Glam Reaper podcast. Definitely a lot of topics covered there. Um, please do reach out to us, glamreaperpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, would like to reach out to Amber directly, we can provide you with her information. Um, and yeah, we're here to help uh, on any of the topics we talked about today. So definitely reach out to us. And if you enjoyed today's episode or there's a guest that you would like to hear Um, or have us interview on the Glam Reaper, then please do let us know that as well. And we'll talk to you soon.